0: Alright, Miss Evelyn, yeah. can you bring up that slide? Here is the last Greek word, agape. Now, I have heard a number of ways of pronouncing this, but this comes from the Lagos Bible program that I have, the study uh, software that I have. And they have it with the accent from the center of the syllable, the middle syllable. So I have to trust that they know what they're talking about, because I don't speak Greek. So it's agape. Agape. There are some who say agape. Does that make any difference? I don't know. Because I don't speak Greek. But this word agape means love. The problem is, there are upwards of six other, or eight other, I don't remember now, because I was reading another blog that I got more information out of, and I was like, wow, that's new. Um, six or seven more words in Greek language that can be translated love. For example, um, um, storge, storge storge, is kind of like a familial love, a love for brother and sister. Eros is a is a, a, a sensual love. Philo is a brotherly love for your community. Agape is not is not the same as any of that. One of the, one of the commentators I was reading said that agape is actually a word that was actually coined for this for religious writings because it's not the same as normal human relationships. Agape is selfless love, which is always looking out for the other person. And the other thing that I learned, this selfless love that is always looking out for the other person is not an emotion as much as it is a volition. Now what does that mean in real language? It means you don't feel agape in order to express it. You choose to express agape. And we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. But keep that in mind. Agape is a form of love, a way of relating that is selfless, always concerned about the other, and a willful choice, not an emotion that you cannot control. Does that make sense? Because you can feel Love. That you can't, that sometimes you don't necessarily control feeling love. You know, sometimes you just feel drawn to a person, you feel love for that person. But you can choose a guy. And we'll talk about that in just a second. So, trying to understand what is love, trying to understand this idea of of, 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 a biblical understanding of love, the very first thing you have to turn to is first John. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. It simply says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who doesn't love does not know God. Because God is Agape. That's what it says in the Greek. God is Agape. So understanding that agape is selfless, always looking for the betterment of the other, a willful choice, how do you understand God in that way? Well, one of the descriptors that I found, and I was sharing with the Bible, with the worship team this morning, I've been doing these studies now for nine weeks. I've been reading commentaries about the fruit of the Spirit. And nine weeks ago, which was almost two and a half, almost three months ago, I read some little paragraph that talked about a way to describe love as a fruit of the Spirit like a prism, or like a diamond, or like a gemstone. And I had planned all nine weeks, that I was going to come to this sermon, and I was going to tell you all about that commentary and that illustration. The problem is, I didn't write down the reference nine weeks ago, and I was so aggravated with myself as I was trying to recapture what that said, and I was like, God! And this morning, now I had to be here at 9 o'clock for worshiping practice. This morning, around 8.30, I was getting ready to come over here for worshiping practice. And for those of you who have ever seen, that, I have a little brown leather bag that I carry all of my stuff to church in. And last week, I had two uh, commentaries that I had brought into the pulpit. So at the end of the service, I just shoved them in my brown bag and... I carried it over to my house instead of going down to my office, and it's literally sat on the shelf in my office, in my, my, my room over my house, all week. So this morning, I pull out the brown bag to go get ready for church, and this commentary in there, and I was like, ah, they're taking the broom that needs to be for other stuff, I'll just lay them here on my desk, and the Holy Spirit of God said, no, you need to bring them back, and I was like, okay, can I just bring them back after to church, and the Holy Spirit said, read that one. Okay, I don't have time. But okay, so I open it up. Guess what was there? The illustration that I wanted to share with you at this morning. So I have to give credit where credit is due. The Nazarene Publishing House published two different Beacon Bible Commentary sets. One is called Beacon Bible Commentary. The other is called New Beacon Bible Commentary. And this is the older Beacon Bible Commentary that was produced back in the mid-1900s on Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And this is basically the gist. I'm not going to read to you what it says. How many of you guys have ever seen the movie Pollyanna? Have you ever seen the movie Pollyanna? It's an old, old, old movie. And in the movie Pollyanna, there's this old woman who's dying, and she's sick, and she's just mean, mean, mean. And Pollyanna comes to visit her. And Pollyanna says, you just need to have some, some pretty stuff brought into your life. You're no nice, no nice at all. And, and this mean, crouching, spirit old woman finally gets won over by Pollyanna's bright light. And one of the things that they do is Pollyanna literally goes throughout her house this woman's house, and takes the crystals that are hanging off her oil lamps, and then she strings thread across the window in the woman's bedroom, and she hangs those crystals in the woman's window, and on the wall opposite, the sunlight comes through those prisms and refracts into beautiful rainbows of color on the wall. Now we learned that, my wife and I learned that years ago from watching the movie Pollyanna. And so what we did for years, we would go to various craft stores or, or or to craft bears or whatever. We would look for various types of crystals. And we would actually hang them um, on our now when I say crystal, I'm not talking about something that's a rock that comes out of the earth that's a crystal. I'm talking about something that's a piece of glass that's been purposely a prison, okay? And so we hung them in our windows, and you go to our house right now, you'll see these prisms hung in their various shapes and various sizes. And what's so cool is as the sun passes during the day, the rainbows start floating through our room. And our cats chase after them, and our grandkids have always loved them. It's just a fun thing that's part of our life. Well, that's what this author wrote. He said, if you think about it, God, being love, is the light. We are the prism, multifaceted in various ways. Some have more facets than others, some are larger than others, some are smaller than others. But all of us have the ability to refract God's light, God's love. And when the light of God comes into us... We then can refract that light and send it out into the world in various ways. And this author's description was, it becomes the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All going out in the way of the religious the world because God, sending God's love into us, and then it refracts and goes out into the world. And I say, "That's so." That is so cool because if you read First Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8, it says love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't uh, envy or boast, it's not arrogant, it's not rude, it doesn't insist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful, it doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends, love never fails. So with this idea of God coming in, my personage refracting that love or light of God and letting it go out into the world in the fruits of the Spirit, there's that sense that I am being used of God to minister to the, to the world in various ways by showing the fruit of the Spirit. Now, Romans chapter 5, verses 1-5 through five says this, and, and it's all building up to something, so just hear the words. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, in other words, we are no longer in a bad relationship with God, but God has cleansed us from our sins, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, hope doesn't put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, all of that was read to you this morning, to hear that last sentence, so let me say that again. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whose head has been given to us. That one verse right there is testimony that the love of God is given to you to be used by you by by God's Holy Spirit. When When the Holy Spirit of God comes into your life because you're in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the love of God manifests itself within you and then goes out to the world as the fruit of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is present, bringing it, and bringing it out. The challenge is, what did we say about agape, love? What is it? Selfless. Always looking out for the other. And volitional. How can something that God puts into me and then naturally gets refracted out have anything to do with me and making, me making choices? But indeed, we know from the definition of a that it is a volitional, a choice to show love. So I would submit to you That idea of us being a prism, receiving the light or the love of God, and then having it refracted out to the world in the various fruits of the Spirit, isn't necessarily the best way to understand it. Now, I'm very discouraged to have to share that with you, because it has been my plan for nine weeks to craft this whole sermon about the beautiful gemstone, and how it's all these different facets, and the light of God comes through and it, goes out in this beautiful prismatic light, and that's... Honestly, where I'm at right now is that's not what I see happening. Why? Because agape love is volitional. I choose to show it. It is not something that I can't... I mean, can you remember any of you who have ever been in love? Whoever had romantic love, either Eros love or whatever. And you go, Mom, Dad, how can I know I'm in love? And what do they say to you? You'll just know. You'll recognize it when you feel it. You didn't hear mom say, you choose to love. You didn't hear mom say, you'll love because you made a decision to love. No, it just happens to you. It's an emotion that wells up and you have no control over it, so it can't be agape love. By definition, it can. not It's another form of love. But remember I said at the beginning there's like seven or eight different words in the Greek language to describe love where in our language we only have one word. So when we're talking about this idea of selfless always looking out for the other person love that is choice that we make this idea of a principle refracting the love and light of God kind of falls short. But then God brought me Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 to 14 Put on then, as God's chosen ones holy and beloved compassionate hearts kindness humility meekness patience bearing with one another if one has a complaint against another forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive Hear all of that? Does that sound kind of similar to the idea of the fruit of the Spirit? I mean, it's not using exactly the same words, but it's similar. Kindness, compassion, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Guess who wrote these words? This is out of the book of Colossians. Guess who wrote these words? The Apostle Paul. Why was he writing these words? He was giving them by way of instruction to a church in Colossae to teach them how to live a life that's pleasing to God. And guess who wrote the Galatians letter? The Apostle Paul. Why did he write that letter? Because he was trying to teach the church in Galatia how to live a life that was pleasing to God. So wouldn't you think that the author of Galatians and the author of Colossians, who is the same person who's trying to teach them about agape, would have the same kind of idea in the way that he's understanding what he's trying to communicate. Hear the last verse in this little passage. Galatians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, I find it intriguing. I find it intriguing how God orchestrates my week. Because, and actually my life, I can can look back at specific points in my life and know God used that thing in my life to prepare me for today. God used that to prepare me for what I was going to be facing. And this week, I was listening to some radio station I mean it was KUAC but I I don't remember what the the, the program was I believe it was on Friday it might have been on Thursday I was driving somewhere and I was listening and they were talking about cooking I know all about that but one of the things that they said was when you are making a hamburger you can use any kind of meat that you want You can use chuck, you can use chai tip, you can use sirloin, you can use all of these different types of meat and craft and create, but the one thing you need to make sure that you use when you're doing this is you need to have something that you add to your burger to make sure that all of that meat stays together. And you can either use a fat or you can use a bread. And I went... Oh, you mean like when I was a kid and my mom taught me how to make meatballs so that I could put an egg into the meat so that it would bind the meat particles together? Or I could use fat, like regular cheapo hamburger that they put fat into to bind the meat together? Or bread? You could use bread as a binding agent? And I looked it up! And I learned! that indeed, and I think it's called panada, if you want to know the technical term for whoever does cooking, that there's actually this whole slew of bread-type things. Bread crumbs, bread, bread this, this bread that, this bread, bread this, and it's a binding agent. And I was like, hmm, So I'm doing my study for this sermon, and I'm thinking, binding in love as a binding agent. Hmm, look that up on the internet. Google, tell me all about binding agents. I mean, binding agents. (laughs) Cement. No, hamburger. Mortar. a young Christian. A friend of mine in high school who was a Christian, longer than I, who had known the Lord probably weeks before me. But she was older than the Lord. I came up to her one day and I spoke to her about the fact that she was a Christian now and she needed to stop smoking those cigarettes. And she looked at me and she very lovingly but firmly said, you are not God. God and I are building a wall. And God gives me the next block to put in the wall. And then I take the mortar, and I butter that block, and I set it in the wall. And when God gives me another block, then I'll set that one. And I'll butter it up with mortar, and I'll set it down. And I thought, huh. Love is a binding agent. As Paul said in Colossians, I am to put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, weakness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and let love bind it all together. In perfect harmony. That's what Galatians chapter 3 verse 14 says. Above all these things put on love. You hear that? It's a command. It's not something you can't not choose. It's something you are choosing. Put on agape. Because agape binds everything together in perfect harmony. You know, when I was, a number of years ago, I was in my master's program and I got introduced to some of the the, the writings about Mother Teresa. For those of you who may not know who she was, Mother Teresa was a a, a nun who served in Calcutta, Calcutta in India. And what she did, she founded literally uh, a convent of nuns and their whole purpose is to show the love of Christ to the unlovable, the untouchable. Literally holding people who are festering with swords and oozing with pus as they lay dying in the gutters of Calcutta, loving them in the name of Jesus, being the hands and the feet of Jesus. And if you read or hear anything about Mother Teresa's actions, it was all agape. Selflessly looking out for the betterment of the other. Choosing to do it, not forced to do it because of something that they had no control over. They recognized God, she recognized, and the nuns who followed her, recognized that God was calling her to show agape love to the people that no one else would love, to the people that no one else would touch. The intent was that hopefully they would come to know the love of Jesus and would turn their lives over to him, but whether they did or whether they didn't, she was still going to love them no matter what. And see, that makes much more sense to me with this... Idea that I gave to you nine weeks ago that God has given you a leather tool bag and you open up the leather tool bag and as the need approaches, whatever the situation, you reach in and you choose love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control to use it as God. So like a tool that God wants you to use. God has given it to you. God empowered you to use it. But the reality is is that you still have to choose to put it into place and put it into action. So, using that idea, with the understanding that all of these fruit of the Spirit are, if they were blocks that would be put into a wall that God was having to build, then love is that mortar, that binding agent that makes it all stick together. So, in all cases, in all ways, whether I'm choosing to show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, humbleness, um, compassion, forgiveness, whatever... It is all being bound together by the love of God, which comes from God, the Holy Spirit, into my life, and then I am basically given a hod filled with the mortar that I scoop up and apply to whatever brick that it is I'm placing in the wall that God is having me build. Does that make more sense than just simply telling you to go love on people? Does that give you the empowerment to follow the command to put love? Let me give you one last thing and then we're done. Now I have to be careful because this is being recorded and it's going to go out to the internet so I'm going to try very hard to say things that give you an understanding of what's going on without giving you names, details, etc. Okay. This morning around 1.10 someone who I had in my life contacted me by text message. And they wrote to me. My father died. I woke up this morning around three. I was tossing and turning most of the night. I was miserable. I wanted to get up and get a drink, run to the bathroom, whatever. But I just needed to get out of bed for a little bit because I was just tossing and turning. It's three o'clock in the morning. Two hours or so after this person had texted me, but I didn't ever see the text. I was still asleep at one o'clock. So I get up, I grab my phone, I go get a drink, I'm looking at the phone, I see the text. It's three in the morning. Yes, they live on another part of the world where it's already day for them. I could call right this minute and start talking to them about the fact that their father just died and they reached out to me. But it's three o'clock in the morning my time and I'm supposed to be up at five or six so I'm going to be ready for church. Wow. God, I, I really want to reach out to this person, but I need to be good for my church people too. God, what do I do? I will go back to bed. They don't know that I've seen this text message. I will get up at 7. I will go ahead and contact them then. So that's exactly what I did. And I spent literally an hour texting back and forth, back and forth. didn't make a phone call. Couldn't do that. I did not have time at 7 this morning, trying to be here in the sanctuary by 9 for a worship team practice. But I wanted to at least give them some time out of my life. And then I told them at the end, I said, listen, I'm heading to the church, but I will call you this afternoon and we'll talk if you need to. They said, of course. Now, they did not know that I didn't get up at 7 and see the text and go, oh my word, and reach out to them immediately. They don't know that. They do now. If they listen to the sermon. And I reflected on that this morning. After that, I was all over with And before I came over here, I thought, how agape was that? Because I was trying to be agape to you guys. I was trying to do what was honoring to my father. But I don't know that I agape my friend. a struggle for me. And I I, I don't have an answer. But that's the reality of what it means to agape. It's a choice that you make. It's a selfless act. It's an act that you have to do which is on behalf of the other. And it is a choice that you can say no to if you need to or if you choose to. But if you don't agape when the moment is presented Maybe you lose opportunity to ever die because the woman is lost. Now, I think we're going to be fine. I think my relationship is strong enough with this person that we're going to be fine. But I regret not calling them in three this morning. I wish that I had. Because I literally let them sit for four hours in their pain. And that wasn't very agape-like. So there you go. That's what agape is. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It is given to you by God for you to use for God in the advancement of His kingdom. It is something you choose. It is something that you do not do for yourself. It is something you always do for somebody else. But always, 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 it is your choice. You have full control over whether or not you ever agape anyone else. And so now the ball is in your court. Are you going to agape somebody today? Let's pray. Right. Thank you, God. Thank you for being the source of love. Thank you for giving me love when I don't have it. And thank you for the challenge to love selflessly by choice. Amen.